With technology becoming increasingly more complex and different products coming out that seem to assume you know what you're doing when you actually don't, it can be very frustrating to try to use new and innovative technologies. But here is something that might be innovative for you to hear. If you're frustrated because you can't figure out how to use it, if you feel like you're stupid because everyone else seems to get it but you, or maybe even there's a group of people like yourself who has a really tough time figuring it out, I just want to tell you that it's not your fault. It's not your fault. You're not stupid. <laughs> what is actually the problem is the designers didn't design the product well enough. This is going to be what I'm talking about today. How we can better design improving technologies and emerging technologies to build on the affordances that past ones have had and to design better for failure because everybody's going to find a way to break something and you have to anticipate that. Designing for error is one of the seven principles of human-centered design that Don Norman talks about in his wildly popular book, The Design of Everyday Things. If his name sounds familiar, it might be because you've either heard of his book, The Design of Everyday Things, or you've heard the term a Norman door which is a door that is not clear on how it should be opened, whether it's like a push or a pull door or even an automatic door. He talked about this at length in the first version of his book, which was the psychology of everyday things, which he later rewrote and updated and called the design of everyday things. He's also pretty much the father of user experience design and a real advocate for putting the person who's using the product at the center of how you design something. Currently, he is 81 years old and still being a badass by being the director of the design lab at University of California, San Diego. So, this guy's pretty legit. Before I get into the seven human-centered design principles, I just want to answer the question that you might have, which is why do I care to design something that is human-centered? Or maybe, what even is that? <laughs> which is a question I get a lot. Human-centered design is when you put the person you're designing for at the center of what you're doing. You're not keeping a theoretical idea of what the end user might be in your head as you're designing this, making a whole bunch of assumptions on what they'll understand, what they'll want, what they'll need, and how they'll interact with what you're creating. Instead, it actually forces you to go and talk to people to understand people a lot better and therefore design a lot better for them. Human-centered design allows you to really accept people for who they are, which is a bunch of people who have different skill sets, different ideas, different understandings of the world, and you have to design 
as best you can for all of those different levels of understanding and behavior. It sounds really complicated, and it definitely can be, but if you keep the seven human-centered design principles in mind and you follow them, they're a great way to start. I think, anyway. Designing for Error is the sixth out of seven human-centered design principles, but I think it's worth talking about first. I'll be using Anchor, the app on iOS specifically, as my examples for this segment because it's what I'm using right now and most people are familiar with the Anchor app. So an example for designing for error is when you don't have a signal on Anchor and you're trying to post something. For example, this segment that I have right now, if I were to turn off my data and my Wi-Fi and not be connected to anything and try to post it, it would give me an error message. Anchor designs for error in this way by making sure there's a dialog box that comes up that notifies me, hey, you don't have internet, we can't post this. They go further by saying, check your connection because you're not connected to the internet. And then the key at the end is that they give you a button that says try again right in that little dialog box. So it's very easy for you to check your Wi-Fi when they notify you that you're not connected or your data. Figure out yourself, okay, I need to either find a better signal or I need to turn my Wi-Fi on or I need to get out of airplane mode, something like that. And then you can just hit the try again button and you'll be on your way. Anchor knew that people would probably sometimes not have a signal, would be out of range for a data signal, and this is an error that they anticipated and therefore designed. Could you imagine if you went to post something and you never really knew if it uploaded or not? That would be a lack of designing for error because there's an error happening but they didn't anticipate it or design for it, and it would get pretty annoying after a while. The first human-centered design principle that Don Norman talks about is using knowledge in the world and in your head. Specifically, writing manuals that are easily understood and that are written before the design is implemented. This is kind of a first step instead of a last step because people who are designing things such as the Anchor app already have a really good idea of how they want people to move through the app what the tasks are that people will try to complete and what they think they'll do to try to complete them. The key here is that Norman wants the designers to write the manual before they actually implement the design. And there's a key reason for this. Usually the design is finished by the time you write the manual and the people who have been designing it for the last year or two years or however long, know it so well that the manual isn't going to make much sense to someone who's never seen it before. This is like trying to explain very complicated building instructions on how to build a skyscraper as a construction worker to someone who has never used a hammer before. <laughs> it, 
it's not going to work. You have such an in-depth knowledge of what you've designed that you can't do it after. You have to do it before. So before you even implement your design, try to write the manual out. It forces you to think through all the different ways that people might go and how to design for those different areas. Specifically, how to get people to get from point A to point B when they want to complete a certain task. An example of this is when you first open Anchor and it tells you exactly what it wants you to do. Start recording. That's the first thing it prompts you to do. And it tells you how, either by lifting your phone to your ear or pressing the red button. Simple, easy. But if they were to do this after the fact and they would just assume people knew to press the red button or to lift their phone to their ear, it probably wouldn't work as well as it does now. The second human design principle is simplifying the structure of tasks. So on average, the user is able to remember five things at a time, just five. So if you ask somebody to memorize a stream of numbers randomly, they would only probably, on average, be able to remember five before they mess up. Because of this, you have to make sure that the task is consistent and you should also provide mental aids for easy retrieval of information from long-term memory. This also goes hand in hand with making sure the user has control over the task. This is a lot to break down. So making sure this task is consistent and providing mental aids is like the constant reminders on how to record when you come on Anchor or that um, you can swipe left in order to spin the dial and listen to all of your stations. The user always has control over the tasks because you can record, stop recording, exit, and go anywhere you need to in the app at any time. It doesn't box you in either, which is a great way to make sure that someone always feels in control and doesn't get frustrated because this app is just has a mind of its own. I apologize by the way, I'm starting to lose my voice because I'm sick again. So if it kind of sounds like I'm trying to talk whisper, it's just because my voice is being uncooperative. Onto the third human-centered design principle. You have to make things visible. You'd be surprised how many things are hidden within an app and how many things are unobvious to someone who hasn't been designing the app for so long. An example of this would be when Snapchat first came out with like their face filters. This was like years ago. Um, I couldn't figure out how people were doing it for the longest time because there was nothing to indicate on the screen that if you pressed and hold it held on your face while you were in selfie mode it would come up so whether that was intentional because they were rolling it out slowly and they wanted it to build based on word of mouth or it was just bad design I couldn't for the life of me figure it out, and I consider myself a pretty technologically knowledgeable person. So making things visible is key if you want people to get the most out of your app, and 
get the most out of your design because otherwise there aren't very many people who are going to take the time to dig and try to figure something out unless there is a very high value proposition. The exception to this rule, of course, is when designers decide to design in Easter eggs into their designs. Um, this is pretty popular in video games and now apps. And an example of this would be the falling emojis that happen on Anchor when you say certain words. I know that Anchor and... Oh, I forget what else it is. There's like two that I know for sure. But if I were to say things like heart, whale, sunshine, umbrella, what are other emojis? Um, I can't even think right now. Happy face, mermaid, <laughs> um, whether or not that will actually make it happen, but that's an Easter egg, so it's nothing really essential, but it really uh, makes sense why it would be hidden, because it's, you know, just a little surprise. That can actually create joy and make something and enjoyable to use because you feel like you're in on this like little secret and that's something else I'll talk about later which is a principle for an information appliance but right now we're still talking about human-centered design the fourth human-centered design principle is getting the mappings right and mapping refers to the relationship between controls and their effects on the world. So you need to get these right. For example, using a switch to turn something on and off is a good mapping because we're used to it, you know, light switches, as an example. What is really interesting for Anchor and what is really subtle but works really well is the dial layout for all the different podcasts you are favoriting and interested in listening to. So on your home screen, you have a whole bunch of podcasts, but the way that you move through them, the mapping that you use, that they used was similar to an actual radio dial where you would turn the radio dial to listen to different stations. Here you're swiping through that that dial in like the, the same circular motion and every time you swipe you're hitting a different station so it's very similar to the way that you would use a knob in a car to move back and forth except this way it's touch based but you're going around the same the same way so getting those mapping right is crucial because if they're terrible if they don't make sense if they're not obvious and visible then people won't understand how to interact with your app, let's say. And it will become very frustrating and they probably won't use it. All of the buttons as well have to be mapped correctly. So if you're expecting someone to hit start and stop, it should look like a start and stop button or something similar, like an X to exit out, things like that because otherwise it can be very confusing and you're making the learning curve higher than it has to be. The fifth one I've talked about before on this station and it's pretty critical to almost anything anyone creates. Natural and artificial constraints. Constraints 
at first glance can seem like roadblocks in your way, but the more that you work with them, the more you realize they're actually guardrails to guide you toward the best solution. You can't be creating something and not have any constraints, whether they're artificial or natural. Natural ones would be the size of a physical object, um, the weight of it, etc. But on a digital platform, all of the constraints are pretty much manufactured by the person designing the app, and they're called artificial because, in theory, they're not really there, if that makes sense. So, the artificial constraints that Anchor puts on the app is really interesting. It pushes you to create right from the beginning, which pushes you toward what they want everyone to do when using the app, which is creating their own content. But they also constrain the amount that you can create per um, segment, and they also don't let you do things that other social media lets you do, such as adding images to what you're publishing. This is an artificial constraint that they've created themselves. I'm sure if they wanted to, they could have images all over the place, but it's an interesting self-made constraint that really puts the audio front and center in everything you do, whether you're listening or creating. So that's something really interesting that you might not think about, but is purely a design choice. Because we already went over the sixth human-centered design principle, which was designing for error, I'm going to skip over that one and go right to the last one, which is standardizing. So if everything else fails, and if you can't seem to hit a lot of those areas, the last resort that you should resort to, according to Norman, is standardizing. This is interesting because it would be hard for one application to standardize, but it also means that an application can buy into the standardizations that are already out there to make it a lot easier and simpler for someone to use them. So a good example of this is Anchor has fallen in line with the whole microphone icon to record thing that's been around and is in many different other applications such as like Google Voice um, recording yourself on the notes section on your iPhone and other things like that. Everybody uses a microphone icon. It makes sense. It is what we would use in the physical world to record ourselves, so why not use it on the button to signify that you can record sound? That is pretty much the last resort and wraps up the last human-centered design principle. As always, thank you so much for listening, and if you have any ideas on what you'd like me to talk about, or if you have any feedback, comments, questions for me, anything you want. My inbox is always open. You can always find me on Twitter, which is linked on my profile page, and you can always comment and call in. 
I love hearing from my listeners and I just want to get better for you guys. So let me know what I can do to improve. Until then, you'll hear from me in a few days.